Hey, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Happy Friday. Happy Flannel Friday. Hope y'all are having a good one. I am on my, I think it's my second cup of coffee. I don't know. I've had so many cups of coffee in the past, like 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> there, uh, It's all running together. It's, I'm just, I'm just, the day goes by as the coffee goes by. I'm just, I'm, I'm counting my days and my time by the amount of pots of coffee that I brew right now. <laughs> I'm feeling kind of awake, at least awake enough to somewhat do a super pro show this morning. And I hope y'all are having a good one. If um, you missed it, I have been, well, let me give you some, up, let me get the updates in and uh, the housekeeping type updates, let y'all know what's going on because I've made some major changes to my schedule this week. So yes, I did. I did say I was going to stream every morning this week and I was going to cover the Danchenko trial every morning this week. That is what I promised. And I did not deliver it. Okay, let me turn towards the camera and see if I can be super pro about this. So I made that promise to y'all that that's, that was my plan. That's the schedule I put out more than once that I was going to stream every morning and cover what happened the day before the Danchenko trial. But as you guys know, on the first morning of the trial, I was pretty frustrated because or at least on the first day that I got to cover the morning of the trial, which would be Wednesday, I was pretty frustrated because like no news organizations are covering this. I mean, there's, there's two people, there's Epoch times is there and, uh, one other outlet that's slipping my Washington examiner is there. They, they started to say that they were going to thread about it and then they never did. I mean, even last time I checked last night, uh, John from the Epoch Times did a thread at lunch break, and that was it. He hasn't done a thread in like three days. And then they're posting their articles, but sometimes their articles are like 12 plus hours later after trials, like the following day, 12 to 24 hours later, they're posting an article about it. And so I was feeling pretty frustrated. Like, how am I going to cover this trial when there's so little coverage of it? I mean, it's about half or less of what we got from the Sussman trial. I mean, there's there's not a media blackout, but there's almost a media blackout on the Danchenko trial. So I was feeling pretty frustrated and um, trying to figure out how I could get good information about this trial. And there were a couple people that I found on Twitter who were present and were doing threads, but either I was unfamiliar with them and they were putting way too much of their own spin on it. They were, they were putting it way too much through their own, you know, way too much of their own commentary on what was happening instead of raw information and raw quotes, or they were someone I knew not to trust, or I didn't find credible for other reasons. So I got pretty frustrated about it and got together with, uh, with Patel Patriot, John Harold. And mentioned to him that I was frustrated with it. And on Wednesday, we started looking into how we could get hold of these transcripts. And what has happened is that John, John made it happen. John did the work. John did the legwork for it. He sent the emails. He made the phone calls, got in touch with the court, got in touch with the cl court clerk and arranged for 
the transcripts to be sent to him for Badlands Media, um, which is the new media group that I'm a part of or a contributor to, I should say. And so John used Badlands Media to get a hold of the transcripts for each and every day of the trial. I first got those transcripts for day one on Wednesday night at about 11 p.m., I believe it was. The days are kind of running together, but I think that's right. And so I worked Wednesday night from 11 to 1 a.m. or so reading the transcripts, and I began writing a substack on them. Now, because the way it goes with these transcripts, the agreement you make, which I don't know that there's actually like a punishment for violating it, um, but the the agreement that they they make when you get the transcripts or what they tell you is that you're not allowed to post them online in full. So I can't just, you can't buy the, you have to pay for this stuff and it's not cheap. You can't just take the, the PDF of the transcript and then just post it out for everybody to see. You can base a work product off of it though. You're reporting your journalism, that kind of thing. And you also can't share or distribute them to other people. So, what has what we've decided to do is that Badlands Media acquired the transcripts and then I am writing a substack for Badlands Media and then I'm streaming each night with Patrick for Badlands Media because the transcripts belong to the entity Badlands Media. So it's been awesome. It's been total it's been way awesome. It totally solved my issue of getting the of being able to get real raw information of what is exactly is happening at this trial. And I am almost done with my Substack on the first day. And it's taken so long one, because I mean, it's just, uh, there's so much, it was over 250 pages for the first day. And each day is around 250 pages or so. And, but I wanted to be thorough and I wanted to extract things out of the, what was happening in the trial that other media outlets, I had not seen them extract. And while I am running behind on the days, like what day of the trial, like today's day three or whatever, no, today's day four. Uh, um, for those of you who like detail, like I do, and those of you who want a granular look at what is happening in the Danchenko trial, that's what I'm trying to provide. And we've been, we've been um, streaming on, the Badlands Media Rumble page, which let me uh, pull that up for y'all. So the way this works is that the Badlands Media Rumble page is linked to Patel Patriots Rumble page. So when the shows go live, they're appearing on Patel Patriots Rumble, and then the, the replay appears on the Badlands Media Rumble page, okay? And once the Badlands Media Rumble page gets more uh, subscribers, it'll all be on, on Badlands Media. It'll all be streamed live here. But all of the replays are here. So here's the replay of part one. This is where we previewed my Substack and uh, covered what, like, you know, looked ahead to what the trial would be about. And then the one we did last night is right here. And we covered a little more than half of what happened the first day. We got to about probably mid-afternoon of the first day of the trial. 
and then I'm writing this substack, which is a behemoth. I've probably done too much. I've probably put way too much into that first substack. But as I'm reading it, as I'm reading these trial transcripts, I just I just can't help but be struck by how John Durham is putting the FBI on trial, how John Durham is exposing every element of so much stuff that we have known about and we have been upset about and we have wanted to see in a courtroom. We've wanted to see this stuff admitted, this evidence admitted. And I mean, last night after I did the show with, um, with Patrick, after I did the show with Patrick, um, I went back and started working on the Substack more. And well, actually, to be honest, I took a break, I ate dinner and I watched some cartoons with my kids. But then after that, <laughs> I, I went back downstairs to this desk and started working some more. And the detail that John Durham went into with the FISA abuse, I mean, he, he just made Brian Otten, the FBI agent or analyst he just kept driving it. He just kept driving it home. And you guys didn't have any corroboration for this, did you? And this stuff wound up in this FISA application, didn't you? Didn't it? And then you got it approved, didn't didn't you? And it was on an American citizen, Carter Page, wasn't it? And then you renewed it three more times, didn't you? But you still had no corroboration of it, did you? And like, like just over and over, and Brian on's like, yes, yes, that's right, correct. And then they'd move on to another topic. He'd be asking him about Sergey or asking him about a meeting or an interview. And then he'd go back and he would be like, do you recognize this exhibit right here? Yes. What is this exhibit? That's the FISA application. What do you see on page 20? Do you recognize that language? Yes, I do. What is that language right there? What does it say right there? That would be the information we got from Christopher Steele. Was that information ever corroborated? No. Is that the information that Danchenko gave Christopher Steele? Yes. Did that information wind up in this FISA application? Yes. Is that what it is right there? Yes. Did you take it to a judge? Yes. Even though it wasn't corroborated? Yes. Did you ever corroborate it? No. Like, I mean, just over and over again, just pounding in this FISA abuse, just pounding it, pounding it in. And I mean, he's treating Brian Otten like Brian Otten is the defendant in this case. And y'all remember that I, I was I was saying before this trial started that I thought that it might be similar to how the Sussman case went, where we read the indictment, we looked at the filings, and we felt the whole time we were like, why isn't Joffe on the stand? Why isn't this case about Joffe? Um, where's Joffe's indictment? And it's like that. It's like that, only it's Brian Auten in the FBI. Um, so I'm just really enjoy I'm really enjoying reading these transcripts, and I do apologize for changing my schedule, but I think it's pretty understandable why I did. I had the choice to either go with other people's reporting and their interpretations of what happened in the courtroom. The piecemeal reporting is what I see it as. News outlets just picking pieces here and there. And y'all know that's not how I roll. I want to get into the details. And thanks to Badlands Media, I was able I'm able to get into the details. So 
finishing up that Substack today. I believe we will publish that Substack today. And like I said, it's it's a it's a behemoth. It's a bit it's big and it's detailed. I believe we will publish it today on the Badlands Substack, which is Badlands. Let me make sure. Is it Badlands Media? Hold on just a second. I've been there. You think I would have it memorized by now? I've been I've been on it. I've been on it for like the past like forty eight hours. Badlands.substack.com. Yeah, it's a uh, Badlands.substack.com. That is where the article is going to appear because that's who owns the transcripts and that's who I'm contributing to is Badlands uh, Media. Now. It links back to my own Substack, and once it's published on this Substack, I'll write some concise thing and point everybody to this Substack. But like everything I do, it's free. And if you want to contribute, that's awesome. Sign up to sub sign up to Badlands Media. Um, we're trying we're trying to do a lot of different work. You know, like I've said before, we're trying to do a uh, we're trying to be a media group where we're gathering up content creators and having some sort of content for the community each and every night. Um, I hear some dogs barking outside. I'm kind of like, kind of like, I'm kind of, one of my ears is kind of listening. Like, is there trouble? Um, they're not my dogs, but they're the neighbor's dogs are going, throwing a fit. So that's what's going on tonight. The plan is I will be back on with Patrick tonight to cover the rest of what happened on day one and to get into day two. And, you know, if you want up to date, you want to get the the breaking news of what's happening in the Durham trial. There are other sources for it. Totally cool. You know, I'm, I'm kind of glancing at those, but you y'all got, you guys know how I like to get into the details and having these transcripts are, is a lot, is allowing me to get into these details. Yeah, the FBI's at my door. <laughs> oh man. Um what a week. What a week, guys. Uh I'm so thankful. I just gotta say, I'm so thankful. I, I wasn't about to doom earlier this week, but I was just feeling really feeling the frustration at how important this trial was and not being able to get the access that I wanted. And being able to get it, it just, I've, I felt like I was a, a kid at Legoland or something. Like I've felt like I, I just, it's just been awesome. It's just been awesome. And the support for Badlands Media has been awesome. I really appreciate it. Um, the comments everybody's leaving and the shares sincerely appreciate it guys. So that's, that's the, uh, plan. And, um, yeah, that's what's going on. So this morning, this morning, what I want to do is I want to get into what happened on day two and cover uh, Technofog's article and some other news items that I have picked up on. Um, I'm going to save my super granular, super detailed analytical takes for my Substack and for the um, and for the streams with Patrick. So we are planning to stream every night that we possibly can and cover each day of the trial. And even though we're running a couple days behind, we're all about details and it's worth it. It, uh, you know, I said to Patrick and 
John, that I felt like it's more important to have quality content and have a quantity of details than it is to be first. Right? Like there's a value in being first, of course, and doing the breaking news thing and alert, newsflash, whatever. Um, there's a value in that, but what I value more so is detailed analytical work based off of the actual source material. And that's what I'm trying to provide. So one more thing before I get to, um, Oh, I appreciate that comment. EH Kyle on rumble. I really appreciate that comment. They say that my Substack on the first day, what Patrick and I are showing made them feel like they were there blow by blow that, that hits me in the feels, man. That really does. I really appreciate that comment. Cause that's what I'm trying to do. I really appreciate that comment. Um, one thing I need to bring up that I haven't brought up enough, but I will be at Threadfest. In South Lake, Texas, November 11th through 14th, I will be there. I don't know that I'll be speaking, but I will be there meeting, meeting people and listening to the speakers. There's a number of speakers there. And there's, um, there are tickets available as far as I know, if you want to be there in person, but this time there's also tickets where you can buy this, uh, like a streaming ticket so that, um, so that you can, uh, watch the streams of the speakers and the event. And I think it's like $50 and then that allows you access to be able to watch all the streams for the entire weekend. Um, it's not just one day of events. It's, you know, it's the entire weekend of events. So if you're going to be at this event, in South Lake, Texas, I would love to meet you. Um, I will be there hanging out as much as possible at the event, trying to meet as many people as I can. Please forgive me for um, how nervous I get. I got to say, uh, some of y'all, when at the first Thread Fest, uh, I'm sure some of y'all picked up on how red faced. I got people introducing themselves to me. Um, I'm also terrible with names. So I'm just letting y'all know, I like, I seriously get some like social anxiety and I'm terrible with names, but I had such a great time meeting people in the community and getting to associate a screen name with a face, with a real name. Um, it really added, it really added something to me uh, for me and my experience of working with this community and providing content for y'all. Yeah. Introvert. That's right. HQ lion. Um, I have a real introverted side to me and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm going to tell y'all, you will probably see me as red faced of you as you have ever seen me because I just, I just get social anxiety about some stuff. So, um, I am, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope y'all are there. Don't please, please. Um, if you are there and you would like to meet me, just come up to me, just, just come up to me because I'm, I'm probably just going to be like hanging out and waiting to be approached. I'm not so bold in public as I am bold behind this mic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it and, uh, hope, hope to meet as many of y'all there as I possibly can. Okay.
By the way, I'm not the only thing going on on Badlands Media. Y'all probably figured that out. There's lots of people involved. Chris Paul, Brad, Zach Payne, J.B. White, Patrick Gunnels, Patel, Jordan Sather, Justin Deschamps, CanCon, Alpha Warrior, uh, then Patriots in Progress. They did the... And, uh, now, now I'm talking about forgetting names. I'm forgetting names. Uh, they had there's a Bitcoin show. There's uh, G Money. There's several different shows. Lots of different types of content that we're trying to put out. I mean, Patrick and JB White are doing a like sports show, and that's on in the mornings. So there's all sorts of content on there, and that's the whole idea. Um, Burning Bright is there. That's right, Miss Mo. Um, I'm trying to. Uh, I've been I've been chewing on the idea of doing a Formula One show. Um, I've got too much to focus on right now with Danchenko to put together a Formula One show. But next, the Formula One season ends in early December, and then it picks up again. Uh, like testing for F one picks up again in like February of next year, I think. So I may end up doing a motorsports show for fun. Um. We'll see, but we're trying to diversify content. So make sure and give this page a follow. I really want to do a Formula One show. I've just got so much other stuff going on that putting one together and switching my focus to it is difficult. And also I do have a little bit of a fear because, uh, or a little bit of apprehension because Formula One is my like hobby passion. And it's, it's also my escape from all this other stuff, you know, it's how I decompress. Um, just like other people do with sports and y'all get that. So I kind of have a little bit of apprehension about doing a show focused on it because I don't want it to become like work. Even though I love the work that I do, I'm not sure I want to make formula one a part of what I do for work. The apprehension might not maybe unneeded, but it's a thought that I, that I've had. So anyway, Dina, thank you very much for the rumble rant. They say they tune in as often as possible. And my analysis is amazing. You're really excited about balance. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Um, thank you very much. Okay. Let's get to some news. So like I, like I was, I've been covering day one of the Danchenko trial was, the FBI on the stand, the FBI on trial and Technofog always does great work, always has excellent articles that are detailed, great analysis and commentary. And I would like to present his take on day two. FBI analyst reveals he is the subject of an investigation. We got a hint of this on day one, because there was some arguments between um, Durham and between the prosecution and defense. And part of the testimony they wanted to present had to do with something that Otten had said to um, the OIG, the office of internal um, whatever, basically internal affairs. Um, so inspector general office of inspectors general. So Otten had, made some in, in being interviewed by them, some of the testimony he had used in was being used in this case. And that's when we learned that he had at least been interviewed by the OIG, which typically means you're under investigation by the OIG. So 
Let's get into this. Our article on the first day of the Igor Danchenko trial cut off during the testimony of FBI supervisory intelligence analyst Brian Auten and his discussion of the FBI's interviews of Danchenko, which started in January 2017. We'll resume there with special counsel John Durham's questions about Danchenko's purported 10 to 15 minute call with Belarusian, Russia, bus, Belarusian businessman Sergey Million. Question, just get just to get everybody on track, the first day you had said that he had sent two emails, no response, and then got an anonymous call from somebody speaking with a Russian accent. Accent. It was a male, correct? That is correct. Do you recall, sir, with respect to what it is that Mr. Danchenko said? Did he say what kind of telephone facility he received the call from or call on? That is a hard line, a cell phone. Do you recall? My correction is he said a call. What did Million purportedly tell Danchenko during that call, according to Otten? He had talked about a relationship between or with the Trump campaign and Russia and in issues involving, I think, kind of whether or not there were any was any relationship. And I kind of I don't think he used the term well-developed conspiracy in that, but it was along those lines. Otten was then asked about the documents that Danchenko provided to the FBI. Otten testified that he was provided a single email chain. In fact, there were other emails that Mr. Danchenko had sent to Mr. Million that Otten hadn't seen up until his preparation for trial. The importance being that Danchenko's concealment from the FBI. Moving on, Durham asked Otten about a LinkedIn message sent from Danchenko to Million. This e-message proposed a call or a meeting in Washington to New York or New York. Quote, it's confidential, of course. I don't have any relationship to the media. Though, of course, I do have acquaintances there. In any case, it would be interesting if and when possible to chat with you by phone or meet for coffee or beer in Washington or in New York, where I will be next week. I myself am in Washington. It is also possible by email in Russian or in English. I sent you a request to LinkedIn. There my work is clear. Sincerely, Igor. Danchenko's request for a call is particularly important since it was made after he supposedly received that 10 to 15 minute call from someone he thought was Million. This supports the prosecution's theory of case. The call from Million to Danchenko never happened. This supports the prosecution's, oh, sorry. <laughs> Danchenko invented the call so that he could provide cover for his real source, Democrat Charles Dolan. And I hope y'all see the contradiction here in that this email is being sent after Danchenko had already said he'd spoke to Million on the phone. So if he had already spoken to him and made first contact, they talked for 10 to 15 minutes on the phone, why is he then emailing him as if he's introducing himself and trying to see if they can meet? The email reads as if they've never made contact, which means that phone call is a lie. Durham then introduced an email from Million to an acquaintance sent five days after Danchenko reached out. Here it is in full. This is an email from Sergey. Dimitri, on Friday I'm returning from Asia. An email came from Igor. Who is that? What sort of person? Signed, Sergey. So there you see that days afterward, 
This email shows that Sergei doesn't know who Igor is. Durham then used that email to focus on the FBI's lack of effort to corroborate Danchenko's claim about Million. FBI analyst Otten admitted he hadn't seen that email until recently and that the FBI didn't even check Million's travel records during that period of time. Question. Now, with regard to that email from Million to Zlotarev, you didn't have occasion to see that prior to being shown this document recently? No. With regard to Million saying that on Friday he's returning from Asia to, and the like, do you know whether you or other members of your group had ever retrieved Million's travel records to see if he was even in the United States on or in later part of July 2016? I don't recall that. Would it surprise you to learn that he wasn't even in the United States? I mean, he says he's in Asia. Continuing with the stream of uh, the theme of purposeful FBI incompetence, Durham asked Otten if the FBI had translated communications between Danchenko and an associate of Million. These documents were provided to the FBI by Danchenko in January of 2017. Otten responded, I'm not aware if it was translated. Otten was also asked about other Danchenko communications with associates of Million. They were, they were introduced, or yeah, they were introduced to establish that Danchenko never in, never received that mysterious call. A key excerpt. Otten and the FBI, however, chose to remain ignorant and never obtained these communications. Durham had Otten run down the reasons why they would have been important. Yesterday, you told the jury that in a meeting with Mr. Danchenko, there were two things that you were interested in. Correct. Correct. One of them was corroboration of information in the dossier. Correct. And the second was sources of information. Correct. Would those have been significant to you? Yes. Why would they have been significant to you? It would help us better understand exactly how the course of information went and what was in the reports themselves. Would it have been of any import to you to know in evaluating whether an anonymous call had come in to see the content of the emails from July 21st and then August 18th concerning Mr. Million not having responded. Yes, I mean, all of those emails would be very helpful to understand the full extent of communications between the parties. Question. Because if the written record in the defendant's own words was that he never responded, wouldn't that be of assistance in evaluating his reliability concerning whether or not he had gotten this call? He supposedly had gotten. It would have been helpful, yes. Durham continued pressing Otten about why analyzing these communications would have been important. There was this key exchange on whether emails, which Otten said were significant, could have influenced the FBI. Pay attention. It's Otten's hedging when confronted with his own failures. Would it have the capacity or the ability to have influenced steps taken or not taken by the FBI? Possibly, yes. Possibly? Well, again, I'm an analyst, not an investigator. So in that case, it would be very helpful from an analytical side to understand the full extent of communications between the parties. Direct examination then moved on to Otten's knowledge of Charles Dolan. During Otten's overseas interview with Christopher Steele in October 2016, Dolan's name had come up. And did you tell the jury yesterday that separate and apart from sources, you had gotten three names from Mr. Steele as to persons who might be knowledgeable? Yes. Was Charles Dolan one of those names? Yes. 
However, from October 2016 through January 2017, the FBI hadn't put together or hadn't properly investigated whether Dolan was a source of information in the Steele dossier. Then there's this remarkable admission from Otten. Although they were interested in Dolan, they didn't raise this issue with Danchenko. Question. By January of 2017, do you recall what information the Bureau was interested in relating to Mr. Dolan? From my recollection, we had done some preliminary looking, and it was at that stage. I don't recall. There was a lot being done. Okay, so my next question then, to your recollection, did you or Mr. So Soma, Soma's the other agent who was interviewing Danchenko in January, raise Mr. Dolan's name with Mr. Danchenko? Not to my recollection, no. So that means that they got these names from Christopher Steele three months earlier in October. And yet when they interviewed Danchenko, having figured out that he was the source, a source for Christopher Steele, they didn't ask Danchenko about the other names, particularly Dolan's name. Catbird Girl, thank you so much. That is an awesome rumble rant. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I love making this content and I'll continue to do it. Thank you so much. Durham also asked Otten about Danchenko's lack of transparency, about using Dolan as a source. Danchenko never offered Dolan's name. Tell the jurors what your recollection is in that regard. My recollection is asking if there were any additional individuals that we haven't talked about in this interview. They would be sources of information for the dossier. And is that clear in your mind? Yes, I documented it in the EC. No doubt that you were asking Mr. Danchenko if there were any other sources you can tell us about, correct? That's my recollection. Charles Dolan's name was not brought up? No. Failure after failure. From there, a series of emails between Dolan and Danchenko were presented to Otten. These emails showed Danchenko begging Dolan for information on the Trump campaign and Dolan obliging. Otten hadn't, e hadn't been given these emails by Danchenko, and they were significant, as they showed the flow of information and how Danchenko thought his and Dolan's interests converged, because they both were assisting, in their own way, the Democrat candidate for president. Otten then discussed his time with special counsel Mueller's team. Question. And then when Crossfire Hurricane transitioned into Director Mueller's inquiry, did you remain with the project or did you go elsewhere? No, I remained and went with Special Counsel Mueller. In that connection, at any point in time after January 2017, whether you were part of Crossfire Hurricane Group or had evolved into Mr. Mueller's inquiry, did you continue to be involved personally in matters relating to Mr. Danchenko and his sources? Yes. However, one name that was provided by Danchenko was that of Olga Galkina. Otten and others had gone in to interview Galkina in Cyprus in August of 2017, during Otten's time with Special Counsel Mueller. After that interview, Otten passed questions on to FBI agent Kevin Helson, who had become Chan Danchenko's handler, after Danchenko was made to be a confidential human source. Convoluted, I know. Specifically, those questions were about Charles Dolan. Question, and do you recall with respect to the subject matter of the question or questions 
that you asked Mr. Helson to post to the defendant. What were those about? Those were about, mm, I think there were questions about Mr. Dolan. I believe there were questions about other aspects of things that Ms. Galkina had talked about that we wanted clarification on. With respect to questions that you had asked Mr. Helson to ask of Mr. Danchenko, to your knowledge, are those questions then put to Mr. Danchenko? That is my understanding. Unfortunately, Otten didn't know the responses to those questions. Agent Helson, whom we expect to testify, might have that information. Yeah, um, Agent Helson will be testifying. Joe Lang, thank you. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you very much. And I want to say iFly98 Zulu is your name. Thank you very much for the coffee money. I much appreciate it. Shout out to everybody on Foxhole. I appreciate y'all watching over there. Thank you for the red pills and the cookies and all of that stuff. I really appreciate it, guys. Everybody on DLive, good morning. Thank y'all for watching over on DLive. And everybody on Telegram, thank you for watching there. All right, now cross-examination by Danchenko's attorneys. The cross-examination, our summary of which will be brief, started with Otten's previous statements to the Inspector General about Danchenko. During the IG's investigation, Otten had given a number of positive statements regarding Mr. Danchenko. He had also made positive statements to Congress about Danchenko. In testimony, Otten still stands if only because he's dug himself into a hole. Quote, I believe the primary subsource was being truthful about who his subsources were. I don't think he was fabricating subsources. Ooh. Oh, but he was wrong. He was so, so, so wrong. And one might offer that the reason Otten doesn't think he's fa that Danchenko was fabricating subsources is because Otten and the team never bothered to look, never bothered to actually figure out if Danchenko had been fabricating sources. However, after Durham was appointed, Otten became and apparently remains a subject of the investigation. Boom, boom, boom. Let's get to it. Okay, now let's talk about your interactions with the special counsel. This is the defense asking him. Let's talk about your interactions with the with the special counsel, Mr. Otten, which I will call the Durham team. Do you remember when you first met with them? Yes. Does July 26 of 2021 sound fair? Yes, it does. Okay. And when you met with them for the first time after you were meeting with people for 25 or 30 hours... Did your status change from a witness to a subject of an investigation? Yes, it did. Mr. Otten is under investigation. Now, the way I read that is that he's under investigation by the special counsel. Because that's what they're talking about. Let me read that again and make sure I'm right. But my first impression is that Otten is under investigation by the special counsel. So let's reread that and make sure that that is what is being said here. Question. Let's talk about your interactions with the special counsel, which I will call the Durham team. Do you remember when you first met with them? Meaning meeting with the Durham team. Yes. Does July 26 of 2021 sound fair? Yes, it does. Okay. 
And when you met with them, Durham, for the first time after you were meeting with them, after you were meeting with people for 25 or 30 hours, did your status change from a witness to a subject of an investigation? Yes, it did. So this is Dur Team Durham interviewing Otten in July of 2021 for 25 or 30 hours. At the beginning of this, he is a witness. By the end of it, he's a subject of an investigation. So the way I read that is that he's a subject of Durham special counsel. Now it could be, they just mean the OIG. So I can't, we can't say for certain, but the, the language there lends me to believe it's of the special counsel because that's who the meeting is with. And he would be a witness for the special counsel, right? It's one or the other though, or both. So what, what did I say guys? Like, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but remember I said like in the Sussman trial, we had two or three FBI agents who testified and in the course of them being cross examined, we found out they were under investigation by the OIG. Here we go. We have another one under investigation. I said that we would probably get some FBI agents on the stand and we would find out through cross examination that they were under investigation themselves. And here's the first one. It's a big one. It's a big one. This is, I mean, guy, this recall Otten is one of the people that the whistleblowers who have gone to Grassley and Johnson have been talking about. Otten is the guy who was involved, not just in crossfire hurricane and Danchenko. He's the guy who was involved in the Hunter laptop investigation who helped get, who helped bury it and get it, get it regarded as Russian disinformation. And going into this, I was, I was telling someone the other day, going into this trial, I had Otten in the uh, undecided category. Even though I had heard some things and seen some cases he was associated with that led me to believe he probably wasn't an analyst who was... I keep calling him an agent. He's actually an analyst. Um, he's not an agent. He's an analyst. I had him in the, in the uh, neutral category or the undecided category. Because there was some stuff that was against, that seemed to be against him, like he was probably not on the up and up. But sometimes things seem that way about a person, but once you get more context and you get more information about them, you start seeing, no, actually, they're not. They were doing what they were told, or they were just going off of the information that was given to them. So I had him in the undecided category. But as... We've gotten into this case and he's been on the stand testifying more and more and more. I am seeing him as an analyst who didn't bother to look at the information he should have looked at. He knew he needed to look at, didn't corroborate sources and participated in the furthering of this FISA abuse. Just not not doing good FBI work at all. Purposefully not looking into the things he should have looked into. 
All right, back to Technofog's article. Danchenko's def... Okay, what is this name? Thank you very much for the Rumble rant. I want to say Pacheg. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate that Rumble rant. Danchenko's defense was effective when asking about Otten's impression of Danchenko at the time of the interview. Otten thought Danchenko was, quote, trying to help. And Otten admitted that he and Steven Soma didn't necessarily want to conduct a thorough interview of Danchenko at the time, thus explaining why they didn't demand documents or ask about every allegation in the Steele dossier. They also laid the groundwork for the defense that Dolan wasn't necessarily a source for Danchenko and that Dolan relied on some open source articles from relaying information to the Trump camp or on the Trump campaign. The defense also spent a good deal of time discussing Millions' various phone records and the possibility that he, or the person Danchenko thought was Millian, used an app like Skype, WhatsApp, Wicker, or Telegram to contact Danchenko. The flaw? Danchenko's emails to Millian requesting to speak over the phone or meet after the alleged call. There's a huge contradiction there, and... I hope the jury's understanding it. This case is pretty complicated. I hope the jury is following along and understanding the contradiction between when the emails took place and when the phone calls took place. Allegedly, I really hope um, that they are. The jury is tracking that and how the email shows that that phone call was BS. Redirect by Durham. Durham again focused on Otten and the Crossfire Hurricane team's efforts to corroborate Danchenko's statements, or non-efforts. Otten's testimony was an admission of how little they did, ignoring both travel records and phone records. There were further details on Otten being a subject of an inquiry. The investigation into Otten, who is a subject, not a target, has to do with Danchenko matter and also the Crossfire Hurricane and Carter Page FISA. So now we get more detail about this from Durham asking him. Okay, now with respect to the inquiry, would it be a fair statement that the inquiry just didn't have to do with this matter? So I'm. This is. This sounds to me like Durham is asking about the OIG's inquiry into him into Auten. With respect to the inquiry, would it be a fair statement that the inquiry just didn't have to do with this matter, but it also had to do with Crossfire Hurricane, or what was and wasn't done with respect to Carter Page's FISAs? Yes, that is my understanding. Okay, and so the jury understands. As notion of subject, do you recall, do you know what the subject means? That is what the definition of the subject is for the Department of Justice purposes. So the subject would be somewhere between a witness and a target, is my understanding. Okay. So Otten is a subject of an inquiry for his role in Crossfire Hurricane and with respect to the Carter Page FISAs and with respect to the handling of Danchenko. That makes sense. Beer BL or Bear BL. Thank you very much for the Rumble rant. Yeah. Well, you're you're very welcome. I love I love doing this. I absolutely love it. Um, thank you. All right. Now Durham also raised a good point about the believability of Million, a vocal Trump supporter, calling Danchenko to provide insider dirt. 
doesn't make sense, does it? Question. So you, would you find it peculiar that somebody who had never spoken to Million, Million never spoken to him, would be telling somebody he doesn't know about a, quote, well-developed conspiracy of cooperation between the Trump organization and Russian leadership? I mean, I would say that it's peculiar, yes. That is very, very peculiar, right? Yes. Almost unbelievable, wouldn't you say? I don't know if I would say unbelievable, but I would say peculiar. Hmm. Things got testy towards the end of Otten's testimony, indicating Durham's general irritation with Otten's conduct in Crossfire Hurricane and his waning patience with Otten as a witness from Durham. Right. So when he, Mr. Danchenko, told the FBI he received this call from somebody he believed to be Million, isn't it, in fact, True, that you took that to mean that the information from the report had come from Million based on what the defendant told you. Answer. No, I don't I don't think we believed at the time that we weren't clear and that what that we would have other opportunities to talk to him about that as well. Okay, so what you are telling this jury is that you all then look you sorry, what you are telling this jury is that you all then took information from the affidavit or from the dossier report and put it into an application to a FISA court. And you thought, is that, is that what you're telling the jury? Again, as an analyst, I'm not involved in putting together the application in a FISA. It continued with Durham straight up telling Otten he was going to be suspended by the FBI, leading us to believe any charges against Otten are unlikely, not impossible, but unlikely question is one of the matters that you're under meaning under inquiry, you're going to be suspended is because you won't admit your involvement in connection with not making a full and proper disclosure. Dude. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. This is the punisher. This is the Punisher in the courtroom. Let's back up. Question from Durham to Auten. Is one of the matters that you're under, you're going to be suspended, is because you won't admit your involvement in connection with not making a full and proper disclosure. No, I don't believe that's in the write-up in terms of full disclosure. In terms of a full disclosure to this jury, you believed and your colleague believed that the information was coming from Sergey Milion based on what Mr. Danchenko told you. Isn't that correct? I believe that's how it's articulated in the FISA application. Dude. Now, I'm not I'm not convinced. Technofog I'm not convinced that Otten isn't going to wind up getting some charges from Durham. I'm, I'm not. I'm not convinced about that at all. No, no, not at all. I'm not convinced about that at all. I think, Dur I think Durham's going to let the OIG do what they do. And then at the same time, Durham has Otten on the stand with this testimony. And I think that's that's why Durham is putting the I mean, he's putting the uh, I don't know a good analogy or metaphor. Uh, 
putting the screws to Otten. I mean, he's not treating Otten like a cooperative witness is right. Durham is treating Otten as if Otten is a defendant. As if he is a target of the special counsel. And he's extracting admission after admission from Otten. I mean, it really seems to me that Durham is treating Otten as if he has Otten in his sights. I would not be surprised if he lets OIG, you know, finish what they do first. Let's Otten get suspended. Let's Otten be handled by OIG. And then OIG can turn over when they finish, they can send it over to Durham or uh, whatever. But I am not convinced whatsoever that Otten isn't going to end up being the target of a Durham prosecution. I mean, this is... He is not sparing. Remember, you guys remember how for years, but as, even as recently as last week, people were saying, people with huge followings, even this week, even on Monday and Tuesday, we got these knuckleheads in Conservative Incorporated. I'm being very, very polite by calling them knuckleheads. We have these knuckleheads in conservated incorporated media telling us that Durham's a nothing burger. Durham's going to cover up for the FBI. Durham's not going to get anything done. Don't even pay attention to him. Wrong. All right. There were several rumble rants that I missed just now. Thank you guys very much. Um, Lana Gale, Elena Gale, thank you very much. DJ CIP24, thank you very much. And uh, Brogent, hey, bro. Yeah, the, this is the legend of John Durham. Yeah, that we've been waiting to see in action. This is pain, absolutely. Thank you guys very much for your Rumble rant. Seriously, I really appreciate it. Um, Coffee is super important to me right now, and y'all are helping me. Y'all are helping me get that coffee. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, okay, very last section from Technofog's piece. Then Durham's near mocking of Otten's investigative decisions. Oh, more pain, more pain. Question from Durham. And is there some particular reason why experienced FBI personnel wouldn't go and look to see what the phone records reflected? Again, you would have to talk to somebody that was in the investigative side of things. I, as an analyst, I can't. I can't ask for phone records. That has to be... You want this jury to believe that analysts don't participate in investigative decision-making? Analysts participate, but analysts aren't the ones that are going to make the decision to go out and actually get phone records or obtain NSLs or the like. Can you think of any good reason... Not any reason, but any good reason not to have gotten those records and analyzed them? No. Do you believe whether with respect to this information, if people were much too ready, willing, and able to just accept it? I don't know if I would articulate it that way. Well, if you didn't have any corroborated evidence, correct? You didn't have any corroborated evidence, correct? That about wraps it up with Otten. And with the second day of trial, the next witness, tomorrow starts with Charles Dolan.
Yeah, HQ Lion. Yeah. Poor. There's a lot of people. I don't really want to start rattling off names. But there are a lot of people who have blackpilled and doomed about Durham for far too long and have been as negative as they can be, as doomy as they can be about him, all the way up until right now. I mean, I have some people in my comments on uh, True Social every once in a while, who are, even this week, are being like, nothing's going to come of this. Call me when there's people in jail. Like, and I, I'm just like, you guys, you guys are either paid shills, you know, like you're bots or you're, you're from a shill farm in Bulgaria or something. Or you've just been blinded by your dooming. And this, the thing that irritates me about dooming and sorry to rant on this for a minute, but I find, I find, I find the dooming about Durham to be very, uh, I find it to be negative on the community. Um, I, I find it to be a thief. Uh, so I have, I have far more patience for the, the mainstream media who just refuses to cover Durham. than I do the people in conservative incorporated media who doom about him and tell people he's nothing and nothing's going to come of it. Don't even, I mean, there's a major figure in MAGA media who as recently as last week or maybe it was the week before said, don't even pay attention to Durham. He's, he means nothing. And I find, I, I, I strongly disagree of course, but I more so find that to be incredibly de detrimental to our movement and to our cause. Just like I found the dooming about the Maxwell case and the black pilling about the Maxwell case to be detrimental to our cause and detrimental to the truth movement because Maxwell was a Maxwell was a huge win, a huge get and a huge win. And she's going to spend basically the rest of her life in prison. And we were robbed of being able to celebrate that win and that conviction as a community because major figures in MAGA media took a dump all over that case, despite it being a victory. And I just, I just find the black pilling about Durham to be a thief of joy and a thief of good information. I mean, as I went over with Patrick the past two days, and especially last night, we've been waiting for so many years to see FISA abuse be brought up in a courtroom. We've been waiting so many, so many years to see this stuff, to see this reckoning. And this reckoning is playing out in this trial every day this week. And it's to the point with me that I am taking black pilling to be a hostile operation. <laughs> and I don't care who they are. Like, 
and how much other good work they do. It's like you're working against the movement if you're blackpilling about Durham and the work that he is doing. Because this is what we have been praying about and we have been praying would happen. And Randy, I'm not going to, I don't want to single you out like no offense whatsoever, bro. No offense whatsoever. But the Maxwell conviction gets us to the people that she trafficked the children to. The, invest, the investigation of Maxwell gets us to the rest. Did you know that there is a, um, one of the people that that same outfit, that public corruption unit that, in, that indicted and successfully prosecuted Maxwell also is prosecuting a serial abuser of children and young adults who is a, I want to, there's some kind of doc. I want to say they're a dentist or some kind of therapist. Um, and they have about 80 victims. That is far from done. Far, far from done. It, it's called a public corruption unit, and they prosecuted Maxwell, who's not a public official. So why do you think it wound up in a public corruption unit? That case. There has to be some sort of public official who they are targeting if it's the public corruption unit who is handling that case. Um, that's another thing. I mean, that's another thing that black pilling about Maxwell has robbed us of is that perspective and that context. Um, okay. You mean, yeah, 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 yeah. We haven't seen it. Um, also, I think that, uh, the reason that we didn't have mass riots after Roe v. Wade was overturned this summer is because Mac Maxwell's network was taken down because Maxwell was behind so much of the funding of the Antifa. Um, of the Antifa groups. I'm, sidetrack I'm sidetracking here quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, did, I feel like this is one of the best weeks we've had. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is one, I feel like this is one of the best weeks we've had since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Now, R.L. Skeeter, you are far too generous. Thank you so much. Um, that is incredibly kind of you. Thank you very much. Okay. Outstanding article by by Technofog who always does such good work. There was um I want to pull this up real quick. Shipwreck crew on Twitter who used to be a federal prosecutor and and is now a defense attorney for several um J6 defendants noted that Brian Otten is Durham's first witness in this case. Igor Danchenko is the defendant, but Durham is handling Otten himself and treating him the way you would a hostile witness suspected of being a co-conspirator. And I've always found shipwreck crew to be pretty fair. I like, I like shipwreck crew, even like despite disagreements, I find that his disagreements are uh, well-articulated 
and not a black pill. And uh, yeah, he's right. Otten is being treated as a co-conspirator. And I, if I had to put a bet down, I'd put a bet down that Durham's going to drop an indictment of some sort on Otten. We are not even close to done with this special counsel. And speaking, speaking of the special counsel, we should get some sort of funding report soon on the special counsel as far as um, how much money, like they have to do the accounting and he has to turn in how much money he spent like in the past like six months or something. I'm pretty sure it's this month that we'll get some sort of uh, expense report on Durham, how much they've he spent in the past six months. And um how much he's being funded for for the next six months or whatever it is so all of this reporting you're seeing about how durham is done this is his last trial total bs guys total bs and you may say well what do you base that on kyle he hasn't dropped any other indictments well i base that on the fact that durham wrapped up a federal grand jury just a few weeks ago just a few weeks ago Durham wrapped up another grand jury and because he didn't immediately do a press conference the media decided well he must not have gotten an indictment about it because he didn't immediately come and tell us but he never has gone and told the media Durham doesn't talk to the media so they're fantasizing they're fantasizing that this is his last case. All right. I'm not going to do a full two-hour show today, but there, there are a couple other news stories I want to get to before I go. Um, so we're not ending the show yet, but, I just, but I'm not going to... I have a few other items I want to get to that aren't Durham-related, and then I'm going to get back to work on the Substack um, and get that done today. Um, guys, if you enjoy the show, best thing you can do to support the show is to go to justhuman.substack.com and subscribe, or you can go to my locals. If you like rumble and you like locals, I have a locals join that, or you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash just human. Those are the best ways to support the show. And of course, share it. Also, I have a clips channel where I clip out segments of the show. It's on rumble. It's in the description of the rumble video here. You can find all of my links right there in the description of the video. Follow my clips channel because that's where I'll clip out segments of this show and I'll post those videos. So again, I'll be publishing a massive substack to uh, badlands.substack.com covering the first day of the trial in detail with receipts from the transcript. And I'll be doing more shows with uh, Patrick for Badlands Media on their rumble channel. Uh, covering in detail day one, day two, day three, each day of this trial. And yeah, we're probably going to be, we're going to be a bit behind. We're going to be a couple days of behind as far as our coverage, but we're going to do give you the details. That's our whole goal is to give you the details out of this case with the receipts that we have. Okay. Real quick. Couple more news items. Today's the day that we were supposed to get some Seth Rich laptop stuff and CrowdStrike records. 
and we haven't gotten them. From Ty Clevenger, yesterday the government asked for more time to respond to U.S. District Judge Amos Mazant's September 29th order directing the FBI to produce all records related to the Seth Rich laptop. Somewhat relatedly, the FBI is withholding three reports produced by CrowdStrike in August of 2016 regarding the purported hack of the Democratic National Committee. If you recall, who was it that handled Seth Rich's laptop and who interfaced with CrowdStrike on the hack? And I have hack in quotations. That would be Michael Sussman. All this stuff is connected. First, the laptop. The FBI wants two more weeks so it can prepare a motion for reconsideration. As a courtesy, we have not objected to the request regarding the government's motion. The FBI is uncertain how to comply with the court's order as written, and the FBI is seeking input from a pending appellate consultation regarding the order to properly address this issue. The order itself is pretty straightforward at least with respect to Seth's Seth's personal laptop, because it directs the FBI to, quote, produce the information it possesses related to Seth Rich's laptop and responsive to plaintiff's FOIA request within 14 days of this order. Today's the 14th day. On the other hand, the order does not discuss Seth's work laptop, which is also in possession of the FBI. I'm waiting for the FBI to explain what it thinks needs to be clarified. Then I may be filing my own motion for clarification. This is Ty Clevenger speaking. Meanwhile, the FBI has cited only one narrow basis for withholding the records related to Seth's laptop, namely his privacy. I'm not sure why it takes four weeks and an appellate lawyer to figure out why the judge did or didn't get that issue right. In any event, I'm I'm reminded of something that I learned almost 30 years ago when I was a newspaper reporter. People will people with nothing to hide don't try to hide nothing. There's a page two. Now the CrowdStrike reports. Speaking of nothing to hide, FBI personnel originally ignored my request for the CrowdStrike reports, apparently hoping that I wouldn't notice. After I called them out in front of the court, they produced cover sheets for the reports and nothing more. In fact, even the cover sheets were partially redacted. You can find the cover sheets here, here, and here. As you can see, each of those reports is preceded by the statutory exemptions that purportedly allow the FBI to withhold certain pages or sections of the report. That's where things get interesting. Here are the five exemptions in question with my comments interspersed. 5 U.S.C. 552-B3. The records are specifically exempted from disclosure by statute, other than Section 552B of this title, provided that that such statute, A, requires that the matters be withheld from the public in such a manner as to leave no discretion or issue, or B, establishes particular criteria for withholding or refers to particular types of matters to be withheld. Comment. The FBI's cover letter invokes US 6 USC 1501, which doesn't make a lot of sense because it is only a list of definitions. Although some of those definitions pertain to cybersecurity. The only other statute is 50 USC 3024 I-1, which states the Director of National Intelligence shall protect intelligence sources and methods from unauthorized disclosure. If a private company is hired by a hacking victim, 
then how does that pertain to the government's intelligence sources and methods? Well, that actually might be a pretty good question. 5 U.S.C. 552-B4, trade secrets and commercial or financial information obtained from a person and privilege or confidential. Comment. If the government is farming out its responsibilities to a private company, it seems any purported trade secrets are out the window. It's also hard to reconcile trade secrets with Section B3 above, where the FBI claims government sources and methods must be protected. Whose secrets and methods are we protecting? Now, 5 U.S.C. 552-B6 personnel and medical files, and similar files, the disclosure of which would constitute a clearly unwarranted invasion of personal privacy. Comment. Why would personnel, medical, and similar files be in a CrowdStrike report? And why can't the names be redacted without redacting entire pages? B7C could reasonably be expected to constitute an unwarranted invasion of personal privacy. Comment, whose personal privacy? Again, why can't the names be redacted without redacting entire pages? B7E, would disclose techniques and procedures for law enforcement investigations or prosecutions, or would disclose guidelines for law enforcement investigations or prosecutions if such disclosure could reasonably be expected to risk circumvention of law. Comment. This one will raise a novel legal question for the court. So far as I'm aware, the FBI had never before and has never since allowed a private company to conduct an investigation on its behalf. <coughs> Excuse me. Is CrowdStrike law enforcement such that it can invoke the right to protect its investigations under B7E? I think not. The FBI produced the cover pages in May of 2022, months after it was supposed to have produced all responsive documents. By now, the government should have filed a separate motion for summary judgment, asking the court to rule that it does not have to search for or produce anything more related to CrowdStrike. If the government does not file that motion soon, I'll be filing my own motion, asking the court to order production of most, if not all, of CrowdStrike reports. The fun never stops. And this is Ty Clevenger who is making these filings. And like I said, that we were supposed, the FBI was supposed to produce this stuff today or yesterday, and they're asking for another two weeks. Delay, delay, delay. Now, I've never gotten into my personal take on the DNC hack or Seth Rich or CrowdStrike. I've, I've alluded to it there. I've here and there, I've given some information about what I think about it here and there. Um, but I, what I want to say now is that, and it's a big, it's a, you know, it's an onion to get into. But what I do want to say is one, I don't think any of us really know exactly what exactly what happened. I think that we have an idea, but I think there's been over these years, there's been too much speculation that doesn't have enough of a base to justify that speculation. Sorry to be so vague about it. Um, 
but we get into a lot of contentions about there's a lot of contentiousness over this where people have really made their mind up about how this happened. And I, and I don't think, I don't think that we actually know exactly what happened. Um, I think, well, no, I better not say it. Cause if I, Oh gosh, why did I even open this up? Um, Okay. Let me give let me give this perspective. I did this on the on Chris Paul's podcast when I was interviewed by him um several several weeks ago that the DNC hack is directly related to Russia collusion and everything else that led to to crossfire hurricane and everything that has come after because this event, this revelation about the DNC being hacked supposedly by Russians was another, was something else they were trying to tie to Trump. See, there was a series of actions that the deep state took to try and tie Russia collusion and create Russia collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. And the DNC hack is one of those things. Now, I know some people take an issue with me calling it a hack, but, and I'm aware of Bill Benny, I'm aware of the download speed things and all of that, but a hack doesn't have to be done remotely. A hack doesn't have to be done from outside somewhere, a hack can, it can still be a hack. If, okay. If one of you guys comes down here to this room and one of you guys breaks into my computer on site and takes information off my computer on site and you download stuff off my computer onto a USB, you're still hacking my computer. We just get into, it's just semantics. It's just semantics. I think Michael Sussman is a major part of this. I think Michael Sussman is a major part of this CrowdStrike, CrowdStrike and Seth Rich's laptop, not just because he handled it and he was like inter, he was the liaison between the DNC and CrowdStrike, if I remember correctly. If I remember correctly, Michael Sussman was the liaison between DNC and CrowdStrike. And if I remember correctly, Michael Sussman, um, Michael Sussman uh, limited the amount of information that CrowdStrike got. And CrowdStrike was not able to do the work that they wanted to do to be able to figure this out. Um, I believe there was stuff hidden from them. And I believe if I recall correctly, they said that in a hearing that they didn't, they weren't able to conduct their investigation because they, the way they needed to, because they weren't given everything they needed in order to do that investigation. Um, now the media, yeah, red eye, red eye Jedi. I totally get you. Yeah. It pisses me off too, because the media characterizes the DNC hack as there was a group of Russians over in Russia who used, put on a hoodie and went into a dark room with their computer screens and hacked into the DNC and stole all Hillary's emails. 
and they did it for Trump. I don't think that's what it is. And I, my, my personal theory, my personal theory, I have no proof. My personal theory is that Seth Rich's laptop was the, was the in. My personal theory is that they used Seth Rich's laptop to gain access to what was in the DNC and it was on site. Yeah, it was, it was on site. That's right. EH Kyle, it was an on site hack. And I think Seth Rich's laptop was the key was the, the way that they, the vehicle by which they got in. But here is something else. I think it was allowed to happen. I think Hillary and the DNC wanted it to happen. And I think Hillary and the DNC hacked themselves. I think they hacked themselves to create the quote unquote DNC hack by Russians. And then in order to make it another hoax to put on Trump and say there was Russia collusion. They hacked the, they hacked the DNC servers to get Hillary's emails in order to help Trump. Those emails didn't damage Hillary that much. I, and I remember she was never supposed to lose. She was never supposed to lose. It wasn't a thought in their mind that she would lose. The thought in their mind was that they would destroy Trump and destroy the movement he was creating. I think it was another hoax, just like AlphaGate, just like Steele Dossier. Where Seth Rich comes into play, I'm not sure other than I think his laptop was the vehicle by which they got inside and this was able to be done. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. None of us are sure what happened with Seth Rich. Other than he was murdered. That's what we know. So. My, my hope with them, with the FBI's delays of this, my hope is that the delays with turning this stuff over is because material in it is tied to an investigation that is still ongoing. Um, Sometimes I've thought, yeah, R.L. Skeeter, sometimes I've thought, well, maybe Seth figured it out, and that's why maybe Seth discovered what was on his computer. Remember, Seth was already working with the FBI about something else. I can't remember what it was. But Seth was already working with the FBI about something else. Man, I can't remember what it was. Seth was working with the FBI. And, you know, it could be that what if Seth was, what if Seth was made a CHS? What if Seth was an informant and they, and that's what got him taken out? That makes sense to me, but I don't know that that's that to be the case, but it makes sense to me. That would, if that's the case, 
then this um this right here um this part of these redactions about these excuses about why they couldn't turn this over where it says sources sources and methods well if if Seth had been made a CHS he would be one of their sources so they that would explain that redaction wouldn't it but big point here because this fits in with everything else they were doing in 2016 trying to frame Trump and trying to create Russia collusion this is in within the scope of John Durham's investigation it's within the scope now I'm not saying John Durham is investigating the DNC hack or Seth Rich but I'm saying it's within the scope So if that's the case, then yeah, F this is part of an investigation. I need to keep it. There was something that Seth Rich was working with the FBI about something, and I cannot remember what it was. Um, I can't remember what it was. And I'm not saying that he was a CHS. I'm just saying if he was, then these, this redaction here on sources and methods right here, 552B4. Um, that's No, that's persons and privilege. Disclosure statute. There's discretion. Personal and medical files and unwanted invasion of privacy. There it is. B7E. B7E. Would disclose techniques and procedures for law enforcement. Um, and those emails didn't damage Hillary that much. And even the damage they did, remember, she wasn't supposed to lose. So anyway, I wanted to hit on that real quick and. Let's hit this. No. Yeah, we'll be done with that. We'll be done with that. That'll be good. Okay. All right, folks. I need to um I need to get back to working on this substack and finish this finishing this up and uh produce this this material for Badlands Media. Now, what I can, what I will do, what I'm hoping to do is stream every day this week, every day of the trial and cover in detail what's going on in the trial. I will probably take Saturday night off though, because Sunday is my wife and I's anniversary. So we're going to have a date night on Saturday night and celebrate our anniversary. And then you'll be hearing from me probably on Sunday night. I'll be on Badlands Media is my thinking. And we'll just I'm just going to keep covering as much as I can in detail. If you like detailed coverage and you you want you like the kind of stuff I do, then that's where it's going to be. And again, the reason it's not on my own channel right now is because the transcripts are provided courtesy of Badlands Media. So that's who I need to do this do this work through and contribute through. But you'll see the information I gather there once it's published there, like you know, once my stack is published on Badlands Substack, I can cover, I'll cover it on this show and uh, we'll look at some stuff, but man, this has been a great week. This has been an amazing week, guys. I mean, I hope y'all feel it like I do. I hope, I hope y'all are feeling, 
I hope y'all are, I mean, even if y'all are on half the high that I am, I mean, I'm feeling like I'm at, I don't know, like I'm at a, a Lego land or a Lego store, or I'm at, like, I, I'm just elated. I'm absolutely elated with how the Danchenko trial has gone. It's been awesome. And I, I knew that there would be, by the way, I'm releasing scratch offs over on a uh, foxhole. I knew that we would get some FBI on trial. I knew that there would be some um, hard questioning of FBI agents that appeared in this case. And I, and I posited that we would probably find out there would, that, you know, a couple of them were under investigation, but I never expected Durham to put the pain face on, just be the punisher. The first two days of this trial, he has been the punisher. So it's been awesome. And reading the transcripts of it, it is the legend of Durham. Man, it's real. It is so real, guys. What an awesome week. Thank you all for the congratulations on my anniversary. I love being married. I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a good night on Saturday, and uh y'all will be hearing from me. The plan is tonight we'll probably go live on Badlands about the same time, six or six thirty. When the when we have a time set, I will uh post those links. And uh, I know there's gonna be a Liberty Den tonight as well. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be streaming before Liberty Den. So thank you, everybody who's been supporting Badlands Media. Really appreciate it. And thank you, everybody who's supporting the show today. Y'all have an awesome Flannel Friday. Have an awesome Flannel Friday. Have an awesome weekend. Spread this news. Spread this good news to as many people as you can. Ignore the Black Pillars and the Doomers. We're not going to win every battle. But we are going to win this war. And this week... Mm. Oh, it's been good. I'll see y'all later tonight.